I am Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. And I'm Jazzy, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Holo Holo Podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. We at the Holo Holo Podcast acknowledge that our creative project spans these areas and territories and are grateful for the traditional knowledge keepers and elders who are with us today, those who have gone before us, and the youth that inspires us. We recognize the land and benefits it provides all of us as an act of reconciliation, as recommended by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's 94 Calls to Action and gratitude to those whose territory we reside on, work on, or are visiting. I am podcasting from the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin and Ishpeg people. And I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River. Sigs, it hello. is hello. It is the month of November, and guess what? We are devoting <laughs> this entire month to one of my favorite, favorite cinematic Disney <laughs> Fox properties, Star Wars. <laughs> dun, dun, this is a long time coming. This is a long time coming. It really has been a long time coming. And thank you. Thank you so much, Sigs, for making room in the schedule for this. Because as you know, I can always talk about Star Wars. But this is great. I'm so glad that we're being able to devote the month of November for all things Star Wars. But before we do that, let's catch up. What have you been up to pop culture-wise? Okay, we are recording this at the end of October. This episode's dropping November 3rd. Happy yes. Friday, folks. Happy Friday. Last Tuesday, Britney Spears dropped her book. Yes. Now, Tuesday nights, I play volleyball. The book dropped. I said, you know what? I'm going to download the audio, which is $14.99. Right. A veritable bargoon. Yes. It was narrated by Michelle Williams. From the I Creek, wonder how they got from her. Destiny, from the Creek, not Destiny's Child, as someone asked me. This, <laughs> I'm telling you right now, mm-hmm. it was great. I devoured really? three quarters of the book Tuesday night and I finished it in the morning. Like, oh my goodness. It was good. Now, listen, there is a reason why Michelle Williams has been an Oscar nominated actress. She will get her Oscar, no doubt. I love that Brittany only did the intro and then Michelle read it right through. At the beginning, Michelle Williams sounds like Michelle Williams. You cannot fight the fact that you're going to get a Southern affect. Ooh. You cannot fight the fact. She reads very well. And to take us through the whole story and even the backstory of Britney's parents, the conservatorship, Justin Timberlake, oh boy, you got to say something, Justin, you got to address this stuff. Her rise, her dealing with things, her not being able to make decisions, her trying to find to be a mom, her Mm -hmm. saying that I'm making mistakes, her saying being at peace, okay, my sister did this, I still wish her well, I still wish her the best. It was a really inside look. It sort of hurt to hear what Britt had gone through. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then her really understanding, I'm not in a good space. What do I do to empower myself to be a mom? Yeah, To just spend time with my family. And the importance of mental health. Yeah, The importance of like, no, I'm okay. This is what I'm doing. Or the things where, you know, people really ostracized her. And you and I talked about Brittany a long time ago when we talked about the ABC in the zone, the Diane Sawyer interview and stuff. And she even talked about, yeah. And I was like, no, there's something wrong. There was something definitely wrong. And I was like saying to you, Sigs, like something's going on. This has been rehearsed or something like that. Yeah, she looks like she's been asked to take the fall. 
on a lot of things. That's exactly it. And, you know, she realizes when you're the breadwinner and stuff, she has Mm -hmm. to do that. She's just like, I'm going to go do these things because I want to see my boys. And people, you know, I'm not, there's not a lick of alcohol in me. Okay, I've gone to AA. What do you want me to do? What other hoops do you want me to jump through? But I do have to say, she even admits, listen, I'm not a good dresser. I'm admitting it right now. <laughs> I admit that I liked Instagram. I like dancing. It looks weird and silly. I admit it's not easy to do that. It's not easy where she took the fall for Justin's stuff when he cheated. Oh my god. And gosh, she didn't yes. really retaliate that much and she got the brunt of it. Right. It, it was shocking. It's eye-opening. It was great. Everyone that has downloaded the audio, and there's many people, like I'm friends with from high school, a friend of mine that's an author, my friends from my volleyball team were like, Siggy. I'm like, yes, it was good, Kuya. Don't get the book, get the audio. You will love it. I know it's been all over social media where people yeah. have just been like taking snippets of mm-hmm. Michelle Williams reading of all of the memoirs from Brittany. And yeah. it's been exactly that. It's been a hit and it's been fantastic in some ways. I've just been purposely staying away from it because it's like there's other things in the queue. Oh, yeah. But I knew you at some point were going to get to this you were, uh, yeah. before me. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was pretty epic. I was pleasantly surprised. I felt bad for a Brit. Apparently, she has another mm. book in the works. But her story got out there, right? And yeah. Yeah. let's see what happens and let's see how people do it. Michelle, Will- she was smart. Whoever her business people, Michelle Williams reading it gave it a lot of gravitas. Ooh. Well, so can't good. wait. Can't yeah, wait. Right. The other item mm-hmm. I want to talk about, but you know what, actually, Kuya, I heard that uh, you may have watched a spooky movie. Oh my gosh, thanks. So, Tell me. <laughs> so if anyone that knows me out there, <laughs> what the listeners should know is I watch a lot of stuff. What I don't watch is a lot of horror movies. Duaga, uh, duaga. Yes, that's true. <laughs> so, yeah. Very true that I don't watch horror movies. I can't take horror movies. I'm a bit of a fraidy cat that way. Mm-hmm. I have quite the startled response. And I can't help but scream throughout, you know? <laughs> so I've got this one from Brandon who just loves watching scary movies with me. Okay. He doesn't mind me yelling all the yeah. time. So I'd watch yeah. Scream 5 with him. Okay. You know, yeah. that was before. But Michael's always like, he loves, 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 loves watching every scary movie that's out there. Nisha? Yeah, he loves scary movies. I never knew that. Okay, oh, okay. Yeah. But, you know, he'll watch, <laughs> yeah. he'll watch Saw. He'll watch, oh my God. like, he'll watch Freddy Krueger. Oh my watch, gosh. He'll okay. watch Friday the 13th. He'll watch all of that stuff. And for me, it's always like, I'll watch a scary movie with you if you let me scream. And he's like, no, no, no. Because it's actually my screams in the middle of a horror movie that actually get him to jump. And he gets startled. <laughs> so, so he can't watch a horror movie with me. And, okay. and it's always been that if I'm going to watch a scary movie, I need to like yell into a pillow. And it's just like, I can't do that. Like, I don't even know when I sh- should be. And he, sometimes he has to warn me. He's like, oh, you should get the pillow close to your mouth now. And it's like, this is just not. So I rarely watch a scary movie with him. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was this weekend, but I had the mental fortitude. And I said to him, you know what? And listeners should know that we're taping this on the eve of Halloween. That's right. <laughs> so the weekend had passed. He was like saying, so what, what do you want to watch? And I was like, I think I want to watch Halloween, the 2018 Jamie Lee Curtis you know, and, and the retelling of it or the the retcon version of it yeah. from Halloween 1. 
and retconning all the way to the present day and just ignoring two to Halloween 10 or whatever yeah. left off on or Halloween 11. I don't know. I can't even, I've lost track. He was like, he just thought I was joking. And for like a good half hour, he was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. But what are we really watching? And I was like, no, I'm actually serious. I'm, I think I can do this. I think I can do this. Right. Oh my gosh. So at like nine 30 on a Saturday night and I know for, it's, it's like, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a late night for me. Right. Yes. Yeah. We were like, okay, we're going to, we're going to watch this. So I get myself really cozy wrapped up in the blankets. I've got mm-hmm. enough pillows around me. I started watching Halloween. Whoa. Okay. I, know, I, know, I, know. I mean, I screamed a lot. Mm-hmm. And it, a lot of times it was in the, my pillow, mm-hmm. trying my best. There were some times that it was just I couldn't. And then at some point I had to just pause and I said, you know, I got to self-regulate. So I had to like get up and shake off the chills. It's like, shake it off, Jesse. <laughs> shake it off. But I have to tell you, I was really impressed. I really enjoyed the storytelling. And I thought to yeah. myself, oh, this really keeps up the evil around Mike Myers Mm-hmm. And it is quite conceivable that Laurie Strode, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, is going to be indeed, indeed vigilant and, oh, yeah. you know, a fighter and a survivor mm-hmm. and yet still has these mental health issues because of the PTSD. Because who doesn't get PTSD? Oh, after all that crap she's been through. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so, and there is a lot of delicious irony and I enjoyed the reframing of it all. But yeah. let me tell you, Sigs, Michael was like, honey, I was really impressed. You did very well. Nice. Meaning right. that I didn't shock him. Again, yeah. I'll watch a horror movie, but the problem is, 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 is that you have to be okay with me like jumping out of my seat and yelling and <laughs> holding your your yeah. uh, your arm or your hand and stuff like that. And he's like, he always gets shocked and surprised. So anyways, he was like, so tomorrow, like Sunday, you know, are we going to watch like, you know, Halloween Kills? And I'm like, no, that's saved for 2024, you know, Halloween Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. <laughs> I think but I can it's only empowering. take... It's empowering. It's well, empowering Jamie Lee Curtis, right? She's the savior, saving grace, right? She's totally, lovely. And yeah. I love the three generations of Judy women. Judy Greer. Judy Greer. Just absolutely love, love that. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, that's your problem, right? But, and I'm yeah. not giving anything away no, at, of at this not. point. But I love the reframing of, you know, they were talking about Jamie Lee Curtis's like Laurie Stroud's home being a cage and it was like no baby it's a trap and it was a trap for Mike Myers Mm -hmm. of course obviously he's gotten out of that trap which I think probably sets me up for you know my viewing next year yeah Yeah, part two you know Halloween or I guess technically part three Halloween kills He probably yeah. goes on a rampage and kills 50 more people or something like that. But yeah. either way, it was like, oh, my God, satisfying, cathartic. And it was like, I could get through this. The next day, and, you know, our listeners don't know this, but I'm in the middle of some, like, bathroom renovations. My <laughs> sister and my parents were over, and I was telling my sister that I watched it. She was like, Kuya, you watched a horror movie? And I'm like, yes, I totally watched a horror movie. Willingly, it's, yes. Yes, willingly. And it's just like, we could never watch a horror movie. And I'm like, I know. Because what you need to know is, is, is that my sister and I, Marie and I, uh, prematurely watched the first Halloween. Oh, God. You know, a bit too early for our age at some second cousin's house, where at of the course. time we were trick-or-treating in a, now a neighborhood known as Jane and Fitch. It wasn't oh, known Lord. to us at Jane and Fitch <laughs> at that time. And nice. so I think forever that has really arrested my ability to watch horror films. I can watch everything else. 
but horror films a little bit difficult for me but i've decided i'm gonna take the step so i did it this past weekend watched a scary movie you know very proud of myself six i'm very proud you should be that that's yeah. a big feat michael must have been very very happy yes he was very happy but i have to tell you he was very sad about something that i think you and i should at least yeah so we are pop culture people and Saturday, my wife was at a red box game with my daughter and I was mm-hmm. just happy to scroll to Instagram and we got the news that Matthew Perry had passed. Mm-hmm. 54 years old and mm-hmm. you and I are big Friends fans. We right. watched it yeah. in the 90s. We've always mm-hmm. watched it. We've reveled it. There's so many jokes with our friends with it. We've gone um, to the I experience together. The exp- right. I mean, we went to the, exp- we, we the experience. Yes. Uh, like it really united our friends as a group because we'd watch it, pun intended. And right. it was a staple, right? Like we yeah. grew up in the 90s. Must See Thursday TV was Friends. And Matthew Perry had that sarcasm and jokes and stuff. Yeah, and totally. We know that he battled a lot of demons. Uh, right. My wife right. and I I had read the biography and it was really good. It's a shock to many. I thought it was a joke as soon as I saw it. I'm like, what's happening? And I can't imagine how people are doing. I think the cast just released a statement a couple hours ago to say, we're taking this time for our grief to process. Our thoughts are with his family. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Matthew Perry, just this funny self-deprecating guy who was battling a lot. And one thing people don't realize is he was dealing with sobriety and he was trying to champion other people and trying to be there for other people. And he has a Matthew Perry house that helped men about dealing with sobriety and trying to achieve it. And he yeah. had made a mention in a in an interview that, you know, I know I'll be remembered for friends, but I, I would like to be remembered for this. For a little bit more, yeah. You know, and a lot of people acknowledge it. Hank Azaria. Um, oh, yeah. They've know, been friends sobriety, for a long time. Yeah. time. And it's sobriety. John Ross Bowie, who I quite enjoy, mm. he, he talked about trying to deal with sobriety and he was having Diet Cokes with Matthew Perry. And they had like mm-hmm. a bunch of that, like Cokes and <laughs> it, it's a lot of battles. And he made comments that his biography is a really good read and it's unfortunate he will be sorely missed. And I hope people do realize the Perry Foundation, the Perry House that he had set up um, does help a lot of people. And to check in with people, it, I'm still in shock. It doesn't seem real that he has passed 54 is so young, especially with the reunion just happening during pandemic and we were yeah. all reveling in it. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Kuya? Yeah, same thing. Like, I, in fact, in some ways, I'm sure you thought this when you read the biography too, mm-hmm. the autobiography, that it's like, I'm surprised that he wasn't dead earlier. Yeah. Like, not that I want to see anyone die. He or had think some that close calls, Kuya. He yeah, had some very yeah. close calls. He had some, right? And like, I think at some point, he was like taking over 50 plus Vicodin pills yep. in a day, like at the height of filming Friends and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It, like, just incredible. And... It is true. Like, I can understand wanting to be known for more than just friends mm-hmm. in terms of his struggle with his addiction. And I think it was funny that the it's ironic that one of his last posts was, I think, with him and his father or something like That's that. That's right. John Bennett you know, Perry. Yeah. And just enjoying life. And you just think to yourself, like, you got to enjoy life, hopefully, in the best place, in the most healthiest place possible. Because... You just don't know when it's going to come for you, like when death will come for you. And there it was. So really shocking. Mm -hmm. What I thought was really fascinating was some of the early news reports just saying he was found dead and there was mentions of that there was no drugs around him. You know what I mean? And it was Mm -hmm. just like, like it was an interesting kind of way of trying to help people understand about kind of where he is in his sobriety mm-hmm. like that. It's just unfortunate, right? It's just, yeah. you know, and I think to myself, if he had done that much drugs and alcohol and knowing that 
this all started when he was like 14 or something like that, that he's been in. Yeah, he was a teen, and like 16, 17. Yeah. yeah. And then just the other is the story around the people supporting Matthew, just like like Jennifer Aniston, like being one of the first of the, the cast to just say, Pick like, his butt and say, yeah, you need to how, do something. Yeah. And how can we help? Right. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just kind of like get going and, you know, start getting help, but how can we help you get the help that you need? And it just shows you too that addiction is one of these mental health issues that takes a team and a good person's life to help you with. Like it just can't be done by the person themselves. So any of our listeners out there, I'm sure if you have any loved ones that are struggling with addictions, that it takes a team of people to help. And if anything, that's kind of what I'm reminded of in Mm -hmm. in all of this. Very sad. From Matthew Perry to Star Wars and the beginning of what I am calling the Mandoverse. And (laughs) really why I'm calling it the Mandoverse, it's really a mini sub-universe of the Star Wars cinematic universe. And I'm calling it the Mandoverse because what we're specifically referring to are three TV shows of the franchise that's on Disney Plus streaming with respect to The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, and then, of course, Ahsoka. So again, dedicating this entire month to the Star Wars Yeah. I just have to say, I'm so proud of you watching a Star Wars franchise TV show. And I know that you had focused your efforts on Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. But I was just going to say the reason why I've called it the Mando versus is because it originally all started with the Mandalorian. And I think that when the Star Wars franchise, if you will, got refreshed with Disney's ownership of mm-hmm. it, there was a bit of a faltering and some fans get really quibbling with continuity issues with yeah. the sequel trilogy. So in other words, episode seven, eight, nine, and people wondering where this is going to go and everyone needing to just kind of like, you know, take a pause and Kathleen Kennedy, the executive at Lucasfilm, just coming back to Lucas Ranch and pulling <laughs> things and telling the stories now in a much more longer form. And I think, to be quite honest, the TV show format or the limited series format has really worked well for the Star Wars universe. Have we seen these first three kind of come out? And the first one, Guns of Blazing, was The Mandalorian. And let me tell you, that really blew my mind and I think almost every other fan geek's mind out in the Star Wars universe. And for those of you that don't know anything about yeah, the give Mandalorian, us a yeah. yeah, the Mandalorian. So the, the first part of this Mandalorian starts with the Mandalorian. And again, all three series are in the same time period. Part of the Star Wars universe, Mandalorian itself really references Mandalore. And really, I think we thought it was going to be talking about Boba Fett, but it wasn't. And for those of you that don't know who Boba Fett was... He was part of the original Star Wars trilogy in episodes four, five, and six. And he probably had the least amount of screen time of all the Star Wars character. And yet people appreciated him a lot. You did. Because he was this culture niche. Like people said, oh, can you be Boba Fett? Like I was like, who is like, who are they talking about? Yeah. Yeah. There was this, if you will, hidden worship culture around Mm -hmm. Boba Fett in the 80s where people really enjoyed his tough-mindedness and part of it has to do with the fact that he was a Mandalorian. So that was, Mm -hmm. if you will, the little bits and pieces that we heard about him. We knew he was a bounty hunter. We knew that he was Mandalorian and came from a place called Mandalore. And people were always like, what is 
a Mandalorian and what is Mandalore all about? Well, Mandalore is really this culture mm-hmm. of space warriors who are, again, tough-minded people. Now, I think the one way of thinking about it is kind of Viking culture is the way that I probably think of Mandalorians. This is that they're similar to that, or at least they might might have been based on that. I don't know if that's actually true. So mm-hmm. with the expansion of the Star Wars universe through Disney and primarily through one of its main producers, Dave Filoni, he developed what would eventually be called the Mandalorian. And again, I was originally thinking when we were hearing whispers about this, that yeah. somehow they were going to talk about Boba Fett. But mm-hmm. lo and behold, it wasn't Boba Fett. It was about this Mandalorian named Jinjarin, who yeah. we find out follows an orthodox subculture of Mandalore. And mm-hmm. it still follows this rebel outlaw space Western, which it still is. But yeah. what we ended up finding out is that the Mandalorian ends up becoming this interesting essay, video essay on mm-hmm. fatherhood for Star Wars fan. And I thought <laughs> Ziggs, it was such genius, right? So the reason why it becomes an essay on fatherhood for Star Wars fans is, is that the original premise of the series starts off with, again, we discovered this new Mandalorian who's a bounty hunter who is put on the case of finding what eventually ends up becoming Baby Yoda or Grogu, you know, which suddenly <laughs> becomes this unstoppable People hit. People love it. People <laughs> loved it. I remember yeah. Six telling you all about it, thinking like, oh my God, he opens a pram to reveal Baby Yoda. And it's like, hold on, we thought Yoda was one of a kind. Who's this kid? And why is he so adorable? Yeah. Right? So, and then the best part is, is, is that they return back to the puppetry magic of Star Wars. And so, that, yeah, callback. Yeah. Yeah. And it just made him seem so real. And there were all these moments of uh, Jinjarin, the Mandalorian himself, needing to kind of parent along the way what was at first a special package that he had a bounty on and was going to collect the bounty to mm-hmm. then suddenly, if you will, an adopted son. And there is just too many expressions. Like you just got to go to YouTube and type in like Mandalorian, Grogu, and you'll find like vignettes of all these things of Grogu getting into trouble and Jinjar and having to pull him out of it. The best part is, is that he doesn't do it in an aggressive fashion. He just does it in a very tough minded, but caring way. And I just thought, oh, Dave Filoni. You're so smart. Oh, that Mickey Mouse, like so smart for doing this because who are the people that are going to gravitate to this franchise first? It's Gen Xers like ourselves. Gen Xers with kids. With kids. And then how smart was he to have like Pedro Pascal who is role. like the internet Who's daddy? The daddy. Exactly. So not only did you, you're getting the women, you're getting the gays, you're getting yes, everyone going. Totally. We love this. We yeah. love this, right? <laughs> and so it was genius. So watching the Mandalorian, I'm like stoked. You must right? have been in love. Yeah, I was totally in love. Now yeah. I think it was the end of season two or season three. Season two probably. We actually end up discovering that Boba Fett is still alive. Now, okay. What's really interesting the then series or only really, I guess, one season of the book of Boba Fett comes out. Perhaps there's maybe a plan for season two. In any event, we originally thought he actually died Mm -hmm. because at the end of Return of the Jedi, some of our fans uh, and some of our listeners out there might remember that he fell off in one of the final sequences of Return of the Jedi into this really massive sand monster and thinking, oh, everyone was so sad, right? That he had died. (laughs) Yeah. 
But the book of Boba Fett takes at least, you know, three or four episodes to do some retcon, retroactive continuity around this in terms of how he actually survived in the actual sand monster. Now, some fans didn't like this and didn't like the idea that this was being imposed. But what was really interesting was seeing Boba Fett in this particular series learning from the sand people on the planet of Tatooine, which is where Luke Skywalker is and Jabba the Hutt is, and becoming less of a self-interested bounty hunter mm-hmm. and more of a ruler who is fair and just. Because the story mm-hmm. in the book of Boba Fett is actually yeah. taking over Jabba the Hutt's empire, or I guess reign, in terms of his time on Tatooine. It was just an interesting transformation of sorts. So that, for me, has been wonderful to watch. I know it's been received in mixed circles or in circles mm-hmm. that where people have been mixed about what they've thought of it. But I think where a lot of buzz was occurring was Ahsoka. And I know that you had taken oh, my goodness. part in watching yeah. this. And for you know diehard Star Wars fans like myself, mm-hmm. what's really interesting to note is that we don't really get to meet Ahsoka in any of the live action movies or TV. No, series. I saw we, her in a cartoon first, right? That's right. That is the okay. first place that we see her in the Star Wars universe. And in fact, it's in this animated series called Clone Wars that recounts, if you will, the events between episode two and three of the prequel Star yeah. Wars trilogy. So mm-hmm. where we meet her, at least in the Clone Wars, this is that she is the Padawan that is the apprentice of Anakin Skywalker, who later becomes Darth Vader. Right. You know, and in the TV series, we see the first time what Ahsoka looks like in person. So when they mm-hmm. cast Rosario Dawson, I was just like, bang on, bang like, on. And in fact, I would have to say, Sigs, the casting of everybody in this entire series has been perfect. So to Sabine Wren and oh, uh, I love Ezra her. Bridger. Like, that's exactly how I see these two characters. Now, these two other characters are also from animated series, and they come from specifically from an animated series called Star Wars Rebels, which has to be, next to Clone Wars, one of the most awesome animated series I've ever seen, too. And we see Ahsoka Tano make guest appearances. But again, this is the first time we've seen these three or four characters, along with Harrison Dula, all in live action form. So mm-hmm. Michael and I were just thrilled to see these people kind of come to human form life instead of in animation form and suddenly enters the Star Wars canon. It was just incredible to watch. But in this TV series, Ahsoka, yeah. we then see this really older, wiser, and then interestingly, a suspicious Ahsoka who, for what people might not know, ended up leaving Anakin Skywalker before completing her training as a Jedi. Right. If you're interested in that, there are some like summary videos on YouTube that you can probably find to explain why that occurred. But really the significance of this series is is that it made us realize that the Star Wars universe is just a galaxy amongst many galaxies. Mm -hmm. And when we discovered that there's another galaxy out there, it blew my mind again. <laughs> it blew my mind again, Sigs, because every time I see a Star Wars film, what does it say? In a, in a galaxy. galaxy far, far away. Never in my head did I think to myself, it's just one galaxy that we're talking of about. Of many. <laughs> of many galaxies. So it's like, yeah. what the F? There's another galaxy? 
So I'm not giving that much away, but that is what is essentially happening at this point is, is that we are trying to find people in another galaxy, right? Far, far away. And I just thought, clever, clever, clever. And so there are more stories to be told. That's kind of like my summary of the Mandoverse. And what I can tell about all of this is, is that it's heading towards something. But before I kind of share more thoughts about that, Sigs, tell me, what did you think when you were watching Ahsoka? You, you know, just, and I'd love to hear it was what my you first, yeah. It was my first dive, right? So I was just like, okay, I got to watch something. And I'm like, I'll start with Ahsoka. And I just, the only knowledge I had was that I'm like, I thought she was a cartoon and mm-hmm. then she became real life. So this is just periphery. And I apologize to the purists that are listening right now. I hope you don't hate me. But I was like, Rosario Dawson. I'm like, oh, she's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I just thought the premise of her being a Jedi apprentice to Anakin, I was like, oh, I wonder what happened there is what I thought immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? But to watch it and to watch her fight scenes, like Crazy it is cool. style. Crazy there cool. is method. And there is something more. And I'm still a big Marvel person. But mm-hmm. Star Wars takes it to there's an elegance. Like, I'm going to fight with you. You can see that she was trained to be like ambidextrous. And I had yeah. read about that. And there is no rush in their fight scenes, even with her and Skull, to yeah. say, to use the force. Yeah. There isn't. Because you know what? In a, in a Marvel movie, you use your strongest force, whatever. Yeah. No, they're trying to do, I'm going to take out razor blade lightsabers. I'm going to fight this. And mm-hmm. maybe I'll use my force. I am, right. They don't abuse it. There's something so regal. Yeah. Like, and I was just entranced. My mouth went open. And I remember being a kid in the 80s watching lightsaber fights. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. And to me at 47 going, hey, whoa. It's- like, it was great. And still with the callback, even just with the stars or opening credits, I'm like, mm. oh, it took me back. Like, I just, yeah. I didn't expect myself to be like, oh, this is wow and you're right about the casting like ray stevenson rest in peace rest he in just peace, passed sure. he just yeah. passed last may yeah he's present and it's all about the relationships and kuya you're right there's something key to watch how skull and shin hattie's relationship is yes how she's so willing to like okay we're here we're gonna let's do it let's just kill it and no let's that's not the know. point right we get <laughs> right. the map and then from there we will get get to what we need from the lars mickelson character and then right. I loved Hera, like the Mrs. You and McGregor, Mary Elizabeth oh my Winstead. Yes. There's such there's something strong about a maternal instinct and someone to be like a director general, mm. just to be like, oh, we will handle this. Do you need help? This is what I'm doing in her relationship with Jason. Like, yes. and even I had to dig a little bit. I'm like, so where is her place? And like, when you think about it in this universe, Jason's dad is Freddie Prince Jr. Yes, like it I is. Know, that was so cool. It is. Like, what? My it mind is. was blown. I yeah, thought that yeah, was great. Yeah. yeah. And to be a big, when we cross from Marvel to Doctor Who, to have David Tennant oh be gosh. in droid form. And I like, loved I, it. I know that voice. I go, that's David Tennant. And he's yeah. such a funny guy and stuff. But please, there's just little tidbits. And I don't mean to spoil if you haven't seen Ahsoka. You watch episode four, suddenly Appa from like Kim's Convenience is in it. It's in it. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, this is amazing. And I know he's in the Mandoverse. He's in the he Mandoverse for sure. Him. And That's it's, right. it's lovely. But what was shocking, and this is fresh in my mind, in episode five, when Ahsoka falls after Skull strikes her into the water, mm-hmm. she's in this different space. And this space is the world so between like, worlds. Yeah. The, that's exactly like the world yeah. between worlds. And it's almost 
not the callback of like, oh, this is what Black Panther was in. This is the yeah, the space yeah. where the Infinity Stone. Yeah, that's where right. Like, that's oh, right. Where she's delving, and he just see Anakin and Ahsoka have this relationship and this challenging duel of why did you leave? Oh, you're not ready for this. You're not. And yeah. it's Rosario Dawson, the beautiful jawline, the strong face. Yeah. She always had a presence. Just I choose to live, and I'm like, ooh, loved it. Oh, loved I it. I was like, and completed her training, right? And that With was that realization. Was. Right? She I got to complete to her turn. Yeah, I choose to live. And it know? was so, like, there's that poetic fallacy of, like, mm. when you are at your lowest, where do you st- draw your strength to persevere? And that right. was, like, emblematic. I was like... It's your will. Does? That's, yeah. That's what it, it was. It was your will. It. And you were just like, where yeah. are you at? And then what I love, Jason is almost like the audience, where she's here. I hear her. Don't give up. Like, keep on looking. She's yeah, here. Yeah, I yeah. I hear her. Well, yeah. and Jason being the son of a Jedi as well. So that's right. Tells us that there's a forced, link. There's he's force sensitive. And it was like, okay. And it was just great when he says to mom, you know, to Hera, oh, I can hear the lightsabers. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. Like, it was so oh my great. God. It was wonderful. Wonderful and, that way. And I do have to say, Sabine, Ahsoka relationship, even better. Like, you know, and I love how they're not phased. Like, can you just no. fix, the, like, fix the ship? Yeah, I'm on it. I'm on it. Okay, I'm you getting good? to it. Yeah. Ahsoka's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm just going to go into space and fight people. You good? Yeah. Are we set? Are we like, good? They are, are not ready? rattled. These no. female characters are not rattled. No. We're yeah. fighting. We got this. We got this. The cavalry come in. We got it. I trust you. Get through it. It's cool under pressure. I think that's what I'm like. This is coolness. Right. It's well, amazing. You know, Jedi yeah. always come in pairs, meaning there right. has to be an apprentice and a master or right. a Padawan yeah. and a master. And mm-hmm. what's really fascinating is for all that I've ever watched of the universe, I can't remember a full female team. So it was refreshing right. to see that. Mm-hmm. We've seen cross-gender teams or we've seen an all-male team. So mm-hmm. such as Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? Right. However, this was the first time we I've seen at least an all-female team. Perhaps there's been some the that, first, I, yeah. you know, that I haven't seen. Also, too, it's realistic that sometimes there is a push-pull between a master and apprentice. It's not mm-hmm. always going to be one of deference and humility to the master. And the master isn't always going to be wise, you know, which is what we've learned it's from true. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. And as you can see, even Ahsoka is very much the same thing. Like she has her own if you will, resistance, reluctance to being that master, you know, mm-hmm. wondering if she is indeed the right one. There's a couple more episodes to watch, but I think you're just going to love it as it continues I, to unfold this way. I'm surprised I sat on it this, and you've been so, and folks, our listeners, you can list, uh, Jesse has done taste tests on the Mandoverse. Yes. <laughs> and all this stuff too, so revisit. I, yes. I'm surprised I sat on this long, but I gladly dove in. I'm so glad you did. And Ahsoka is a good one to kind of dive into because what you're finding out, I'm sure, is that they're trying to prevent a big baddie coming to the Mm -hmm. original universe who is Grand Admiral Thawne. And again, he, just like the other characters, have come to life now. So it's like, oh my God, this is what Grand Admiral Thawne looks like, you know, Mm -hmm. in the real universe. And he's menacing and quietly and scarily tactically calculating in a lot of different ways. He's not just three steps ahead. He's 10 steps ahead of everybody and is able to pivot really quickly and tell people what he wants, 
you know, <laughs> without mincing words. So I think all of these three Star Wars TV series are, again, in the same period, really leading up to what I think is going to be the resurgence of the old empire. And what I'm anticipating is going to be a grand, grand battle. And in some ways, these three series have been messaging this idea that we still need to help the cause because where mm -hmm. these three TV series are in between is between episode six. So after the return of the Jedi and force awakens, which is episode seven. So mm -hmm. something that didn't make sense to a lot of people, at least in episode seven, eight and nine is how did the first order kind of come to be? And I think that this is what yeah. this is all explaining. And that Grand Admiral Thrawn is part of all of this. And so just says that you may have won the war, but elements are going to still keep creeping up, right? Mm -hmm. And so, again, it's that idea that we still need to help the cause as the rebellion continues to become a new way of life in the galaxy. And so I think that that kind of like brings us nicely into this culture capital topic, which is helping the cause for the Filipino communities in the diaspora. And if I think about how, Siggy, you and I were helped and that we were the cause, it was really our parents moving into the diaspora. In other words, leaving the Philippines, mm -hmm. coming to Canada. And if I think about what the cause was, it was about trying to give us a better life. And Sigs, I know that you and I, in a lot of ways, I know that our parents have accomplished what they set mm -hmm. out to accomplish for us, which is both giving us lives that we might not have had if they decided to stay in the Philippines. So oh, yeah. I think it's made me start to think, and I think it'd be interesting for us to just kind of have this conversation on who's the cause. And I think quite clearly who the cause is, is your kids, my nephews and nieces, second, third generation Filipino Canadians. And then how do we help the cause? In other words, how do we help the next generation? I think in some ways in this podcast, there have been three ways that I've been kind of saying it. I've, I've been saying like share equity and generational wealth. And I know mm -hmm. that that's been, I've been saying that it's not only just money, but it's about information. It's about navigational hacks. But I also think the other way to help the next generation is keeping the door open. And I don't know that I've been explicit about this, but what I've sometimes see is people in our community who have achieved success but then don't keep the doors open for other Filipinos. And I know, Sigs, I've encouraged you and I've challenged myself to help out other Filipinos that are coming up behind us. Because I think sometimes what happens is we interpret that as being threatening. But I don't think it has to be threatening, right? No. And then the other is, and I think that, you know, in season five, we had brought Jen Barcelona onto the podcast to talk a little bit about mentoring. And I think that that's another way to help the cause. And that's not only just kind of providing advice, but holding the next generation accountable, providing emotional support to the next generation, and really giving the next generation room to figure it out. Sometimes mm -hmm. I get impatient with the next generation, but I get it. I get that they have to struggle a little bit before they listen to Tito, right? Or listen to Nina. I think so. I and, think so. And I've, I've learned to be okay with that. You know, Sigs, I know that you've done these three, if not elements of these three, like sharing yeah. equity, generational wealth, keeping the door open and mentorship. Yeah, it's funny, Kriya, when you see sharing equity and generational wealth, some listeners do know my story that I, I grew up in the Niagara region and I eventually went uh, to the National Capital region just because of my job because I am in the public service. It's very different in the framing of sharing equity and general wealth about information and navigational hacks to career. Now, if you ask me this in Niagara, hmm. I felt that sharing equity and generational wealth was expected. 
Yes. In the sense of, oh, my son works for the government. What can he do? Or someone wants to apply for this. Siggy's familiar. And it would be that connecting people. Oh, Siggy, so you can see that. Do you have answers? Now, you and I both know it's that thing where, oh, so I work in this part of the government. Well, I have a question about this part of the government. Do you have any (laughs) answers on this? I'm like, no, but we can find the resources you need or we can help out. And that evolves. So living in Southern Ontario, it was almost a commitment because I was the son of Willie and Susie. Oh, he knows this. It doesn't mean I do, but I do have a toehold. And what can I share immediately? And this is talking about 28-year-old 30 year old me. Right, right. Right. Yeah. And now as we evolve, like when I'm in Ottawa, when I hear about sharing equity and generation wealth, it has a different hit. Yes. Right. Because yeah. with experience, and like you said, Kuya, like as we grow and evolve, you're like, oh, it would be good to know this. Or you know what? Yes, you are applying for it. I'm familiar with the federal student work program. So I was able to share those things. And as an adult and seeing that I have kids and we have generations that come from us, it hits differently. We were like, oh, That's right. this is exactly what it means. It isn't a commitment because my mom and dad said so. Mm-hmm. It is for me to be like, oh, hey, you know what? I swept up and raked this path. Come follow this path with right. me. Or right. that's what it is. Or I took this path and it was not the best path. I wish I would have done it this took way. That path. And exactly. you might want to take that path. Exactly. And it's yeah. so funny. Like in my head, I'm still not that 25 year old that started with the public service. I'm 47 and I have 23 years of experience. And someone had mm-hmm. reminded me like, do mm-hmm. I have any comments on something? I'm like, well, why? They're like, well, you've worked for 23. Oh, yes, I do. I am aware of this. Or <laughs> you do. <laughs> I, I do that. Or I'm interested about working in this part of the agency. And I'm like, oh, I've worked worked there before, I can help you find other people that have worked it. And I have my Ottawa family here and my friend Diana and Jose, where I'm like, oh, they've worked in this part. Can I direct you to them or can I direct you to here? And I find that it's such a shift. And I do think that with age, it helps out. And it's also too, that feedback or that perspective helps the newer generations or the newer people to public service like to understand more or find those good resources. Because when you're younger, oh, yeah, mom and dad, I'll go to this, I'll do that. But you don't perceive that as good advice. You're just being told something to do. But I mean, if Kuya just said something to me, I'm like, oh, yes, this is sound (laughs) advice. I'm really getting it. But it's nice to hear, right, that road less traveled we can help out. The shift from keeping the door open right now is very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I did mention my peers, Diane and Jose, I hope you guys don't mind that I'm talking about you. We've been in the public service at least over 15 years, if not more, in our little group. But we're at positions where I'm at a managing job. My friend is at a managing job. Jose is in the senior advisor. That we've sort of crafted and navigated to here. And if other people have questions why not share that information? Or I had a colleague named Anna, and I'll I'll say this very broadly, who, hey, I'm looking for help. I need to know someone that's an EC. And I found someone who's Filipino that was EC, was able to listen to her and help her navigate and secure a job. Wonderful. You know, it was just opening those doors and making that connection. And I think that we all win. And I think this is a a goal or this has been something that you've taught with our brand about our podcast and Mm -hmm. being part of the diaspora. Like, 
when we see one of us in these type of positions, there is more room. There's always room. There's and always if not, room. Yeah. How you got to that room, you know, we might have taken different paths, but we got here together. So yeah. what's next? And yeah. we can help other people. It's very eye-opening. And I do like how you said, keep the door open. You know what? There's no like crab. There shouldn't be any crab mentality. We've been trying to bust that down. We want to see more people around us at that table. You're about to yeah. say something. Go ahead, Kuya. So the way that I think about the keeping the door open for anyone that lives in the greater Toronto area, if you commute into Union Station and you're going through the underground path, which is basically a huge underground mall that can take you to various places in the downtown core, during rush hour, there's a series of doors that you have to kind of get through. And it is just like a salmon run of people just kind of getting through. And invariably, like if everyone just holds the door just a little bit longer so that you're getting through and then the next person behind you can get through and not have to open the door, everyone gets to where they need to get to in time mm -hmm. and no one's causing any delays. But there's invariably one asshole which <laughs> yeah. that doesn't actually hold the door open as they're going through for the next person. They let it shut behind them. and then. The person behind them then has to open the door. But as they're opening the door, they're stopping the crowd behind them and creates a bit of a traffic jam. And then it has to start up again and it slows everybody down. And it's like, right. it doesn't cost anything to just give it a little bit more because there will be a day where you're the one behind and right. trying to get to, to a place in time. So, you know, it doesn't cost that much to help people. So that's why I think if you've been successful and you've made it to the top, don't close the door, keep it open. And then when you're there, anyone that walks through, I would say mentor. When we help the next generation, we not only, when we do that, so in other words, when we mentor, when we keep the door open, when we share whatever we have to share, we're not only promoting our success and their success, but we stop all this intergenerational poverty, right. classism. We start to challenge corporate thinking we start to challenge racism, at the end of the day, we end up creating equity. But I think we end up creating equity on our terms, not on, oh, let's hire more Filipinos, right? Because that's the right thing to do. And mm -hmm. so I think that we all need to do this for each other. Because if we don't, someone's going to pity us. And I don't know that that's how we want to get to these places. So no. I think if I was to leave a fixing of the week, help support the next generation of Filipinos in the diaspora, which Sigs, this is part of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast with you, because it's, yes, it's a love letter to the young people in our life, but it's also a way that we can support the next generation. And whoever the next generation is after that, I hope you get helped by the generation that we're trying to help to along the way. Things I, th I think that takes us to the end. Right? I think it does. From shoulder to shoulder to standing on each other's. I think that's really great. Yeah. Folks, we love email. This is November, the month of Star Wars for Jazzy. Mm -hmm. Email us at hollohollopopculture at gmail.com. <laughs> Share any ideas and thoughts or what you thought about the episode. The Hollow Hollow Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Rate us, subscribe, leave a review. We see you. Thank you so much. Tell a friend about us. And you can find us on social media. We stand on our Instagram account at Culture. Mm -hmm. Finally, we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Fabian. Our musical theme is by Chelch Ringham. We'll see all of you guys again real soon. I am totally going to talk uh, like episode six before bed tonight. Ahsoka, I got it. I, do, I have to. <laughs>